Welcome to Food and Loathing, which I like to think of as Las Vegas's digital degustation menu, an omakase of information, a smorgasbord for your smartphone. Stop me, Rick. <laughs> stop oh, me. Stop. Please. Stop now. I'm your host, Al Mancini. The great Rick Moonen is back in the co-host position, and our one and only producer, Rich Johnson, is riding the game, at Hello. least for most of the show. <laughs> you can hear when he's not around. You'll be able to talk. <laughs> anyway, we have a lot on our plate today, pun intended, including an extended interview I just conducted with Hell's Kitchen winner Trenton Garvey, who recently assumed the executive chef role at Gordon Ramsay's Steak in Paris, Las Vegas. We'll hear from a couple of vegan chefs during our news segment, and we'll finally spill the beans on something that Rick has been dying to tell us for weeks but couldn't. (laughs) A legendary Las Vegas chef is returning to the kitchen at one of the Valley's most popular off-strip restaurants. But first, we're going to tell you about where we've been since you last heard from Rick. I don't remember when anybody last heard from you. Rick, where you been? How you been, man? How was your Thanksgiving? Oh, my Thanksgiving was amazing. I spent it in North Carolina. My godson, uh, Jamie, and uh, family, and cooking turkeys, and drinking bourbon, and just doing, picking out Christmas trees, setting up train sets with my nieces were gorgeous. Total family, wonderful time, you know. So when I came back, you know, most recently I've been eating road food, pretty much. I just went up to Moab. (laughs) Holy smoke, Moab, uh, Utah. It's it's that it's where uh, all the westerns started. All the western movies were filmed in Moab, you know, in that area. I'm talking John Wayne and predecessors of John Wayne. The, the very first western was shot there, you know. They're 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 a movie set. Period. You know, right. and even like science fiction movies and other stuff. I mean, the terrain is just crazy. So I've been eating, you know, that kind of food. You know, there's, there's snacks. Cooking out <laughs> on a campfire out in Moab? Oh, man, if I had a fire, it would have been perfect. We were in this camp. Beans in a tin? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did go to barbecue place. A little blazing saddle homage going on there? <laughs> okay, it's a good thing and a bad thing. There's absolutely no cell service. Zero. You know, so you just have to sit there and absorb it all. But I had to have an important call, so we had to go into the town of Moab, and that's where we had... You know, our barbecue, and it was, and so my wife got pulled over because she uh, forgot to turn her lights on. Cause I, yeah. I said, I got good signals. Got good signals. Stop. She stops, <laughs> right? And so now she, she pulls back out. She forgot to turn her lights on right away. Cop pulls her over. And I'm and I'm still on the phone on this conference call. It's crazy. So we got back uh, yeah, last yesterday, and uh, it's been an exciting time. So. Well, it's good to have you back, man. And thanks here. for welcoming us back into your home. The first time we've been inside recording at Moon and Ranch. So this Actually is let us in. We finally passed all the tests. So far, yeah, the, 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 the ne- everything was negative that we tested. Uh, he didn't even make me take my shoes off. <laughs> oh, gosh. Because yeah, that's a stinky on. experience. Yeah. Rich, what have you been up to, man? You, the latecomer to the show, you've been to yeah. one of our favorite new places. I did. I finally, in the past two weeks, uh, I had a night at Harlow, Gina Mar- Marinelli's gorgeous, expensive, over-the-top steakhouse in downtown Summerlin. And, you know, I'm not a professional critic. I did not take uh, all the notes. I didn't, like you, take a shot of the menu, which I should have done so I could <laughs> have all those nice little cheat. obscure take things. Take a photo of the menu and then post it on Facebook so that your friends don't keep asking, what's that dish? What's that dish? Yeah, yeah, did you yeah, get yeah. the little trio of caviars? Or I did not. I'm, I'm not a big caviar guy, so, I, you know, knowing that money was... Uh, uh, there's going to be a lot of it spent. I, I wanted to get stuff I really know I like. So sure. let's start with service. Service was beyond excellent. You know, not quite to the point of leave me the fuck alone so I can eat. But, <laughs> you know, before that ca- thought came in my mind, they backed it down. They sort of knew just like that. So that's that was really nice. You don't have exactly a subtle face, Rich. <laughs> when I talk well, too much, you let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I was with Joanna, my wife, and and, you know, they love her because... Yeah. Well, she's great. Yeah, she she's is the, absolutely yes, great. And, and they know it. And she just, the, oh, God. Half the friends I have are only friends because they want to be around her, not me. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Now it makes sense. If okay. it wasn't for Sue, I wouldn't get invited to anything. Let's be honest. Oh, yeah. So, you know, bread. They have this Japanese milk bread, that, you know, softer than soft and wonderful. But, and it's, you know, bread like that is just a butter delivery device. And I let it deliver. <laughs> and it did deliver. Uh, I had a Caesar. Uh, with a seven-minute egg and some crunchy coating on it, a little quick fry. And with the egg and the portion, that portion was right between individual and shareable, a little generous for one person, especially with the egg and all that. But it was so good, I ate it all, and, boy, I paid for it later. (laughs) Uh, I had a filet with a side of crab cake. 
thinking maybe the crab cake from the appetizer menu would be a nice little uh, compliment. No, the thing was a hockey puck. It was an entree-sized crab cake off the uh, appetizer menu, and it, it was like you very ate a lot. Good. So would go hungry. I didn't think I was going because, to be yeah. eating a lot, but but it ended up. Uh, being that way, I order. I should have ordered a sauce. I get an eight ounce fillet, the smallest steak, because I wanted to have the the, the crab cake as well. Right. And I probably should have gotten a sauce. Uh, there was nothing really coming out of it. It wasn't dry. It had its juices inside, but I could have used a little more. I'll remember that next time. Uh, Joanna's Bronzino with a chimichurri sauce was was awesome. They wanted to make a big deal about removing the bones, and she right. said, "No, no." She's European. She's from Poland. She knows about taking fish off bones. And she said, no, no, I'm doing that. I'm not American. Yes, right. I'll so tell you, my wife was born in America, and she will gnaw the meat off any bone that is put in front of her. Like, she'll, yeah. look at my, she'll look at my lamb chops like at the table, yeah. and she'll be like, that's not done. Give it to me. Yeah, you but know? a delicate fish bone, <laughs> she can move part. right around that. Just an expert. I had just enough filet left and, and one of those hunks of uh, bread that I took home and a nice sandwich the next day. Dessert at the bar. Uh, I, I again, I'm a man of simple tastes. I want something chocolate. I want something vanilla. That's all I need for dessert. And so I had some sort of chocolate on chocolate with a side of chocolate thing. And I had him bring me a, a little scoop of vanilla ice cream, and it was wonderful. I couldn't tell you any more about that. But between that and everything else, coffee was dark, rich, and wonderful. And here's my one little objection: they did not have their coffee and tea program together Ooh. and the guy did actually use the word program because That's all they had was some jasmine tea and she's a dark tea drinker and she was a little miffed at that so two cocktails two glasses of an oregon pinot two salads two mains crab cake app dessert coffee tea 330 bucks well, yeah. Yes, yeah. I mean, the, pretty dining, I mean, sounds like you had enough to take home. I had, and it was prices good value. these days. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're in a day where prices are going up in, in quality restaurants. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, that, does, that's, that sounds like it's fair and in the It was good value. And I had a, we had a great experience when we had great food and we had a little the next day. And uh, uh, I stayed up late because I was so damn full because I topped up that Caesar salad and that bread. That <laughs> <laughs> well, so I was really happy with all that. Cool. So the uh, general consensus, we all like Harlow, right? Yes, they're trying to make it into a private club of people that can afford to be there. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. So you're, you're amongst the class of people that you're comfortable with. It's very Vegas, you know, yeah. and, it's, and it's their intention. They're not really hiding that, and I, and I like it. I yeah. think it's kind of I cool. put on a jacket. I felt good yeah. wearing a jacket. Of course, then some guy with a shorts and flip-flops walked by. Uh, you remind me, I got to find a suit. I'm going to the Cirque tomorrow. I need a suit. I only put suits on for Michelin Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> Usually with a Motorhead t-shirt and my suit. That's I another thing. Honest. You don't have to wear a suit everywhere. Now, tomorrow, I, you know, I'm... <laughs> My, I'm actually on Friday. I'm, my boss is in town, and, and I made a reservation for Nomad. Now, do you think that you would need to wear a jacket at Nomad? I wear a jacket at Nomad, yes. I would want to wear a jacket yes, at I would Nomad. want to. Now, have to. Look, in Las Vegas, you don't ever look, have to. Yeah. Very, very rarely do you have to. You're from Texas, you go, and Texans go out all the time. Every single night of the week, they're out. It's happy hours, three to the bar, three deep, you know? So... You know, they're just trying to be comfortable and have a good time in Vegas. I mean, here's the deal. Taboo, or should I, I don't think it's taboo because he's probably going to have a much nicer shirt on than I would have on. Like, my deal is I would throw a jacket on to go to Nomad, but I would have a Mickey Mouse t-shirt on under the jacket, right? So, assuming yeah. your friend is going to have a slightly classier t-shirt than my Mickey Mouse t-shirt, if he's got a shirt on with a collar, then probably doesn't have to well, wear a jacket. By the time he ends his meal, the check will be $1,000. That's the way he <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, but they'll all know who he is, and he's just fine, and no matter what he <laughs> Uh, it's not a question of it's not a question of um, to me it, it, how you dress to go to a restaurant. It's never been a question of what you can get away with. It, it's a question of showing respect to the other diner, I showing agree. respect yes. to the chef. Yes, I know. and that's pretty much it. I do you know? the same thing. I've been brought up that way. But. Yeah. Um, so I've been to a lot of places since we were all together. I'm going to try to run through them. Last night, though, I hit a new vegan Asian spot called Saffron. I, I say new. It opened May in the middle of the pandemic, but they finally started having the media in. I want to start there. It's on a dingy, divey stretch of Decatur off of Spring Mountain. It shares a parking lot with a sketchy-looking 7-Eleven. It was my younger days in New York City. I would have thought the guy behind the counter was selling something in little glassy and baggies, you know? <laughs> yeah. but, um, but holy shit. Shit, you get inside. What a gorgeous restaurant. You can see photos on my um, my social media. I'll put them up on the Food and Loathing social media as well. And amazing food. A lot of mushrooms, a lot of fried mushrooms, but done with really great seasoning. And um, 
100% vegan, 100% gluten-free, two-story restaurant, fantastic decor. I would send both of you guys out there if you have a chance, especially if you're with somebody who's, who has a plant-based diet. Yeah. Saffron? Yeah. Got yeah. a couple of folks like that. I like an honest place like that. I don't want to have sit-tan. I don't want to have fake meats like that in a place like this. I want to have, show me what you can do with, with plants. Yeah. Treat, treat plants like plants, not yeah. like animals. That's what I say. Although they did something that's off the menu that's supposed to replicate kind of salt and pepper chicken. He does it with a, a selection of mushrooms. Um, you know, and it was really good. I would just call it salt and pepper mushrooms. If you're there, don't pretend it's chicken, but enjoy it. Um, I also spent a lot of time with Jose Andres last week. We conducted, a, I conducted a 70 minute interview, which <laughs> we will hear the beginning of next week. Then the end of it, the week after that, I also had an amazing meal with him after that interview. I'm saving a lot of those details for when we, we run those episodes. Al, but did you eat everything that I saw pictures of? I did, man. And I'll tell you, I, I'll ah, get into it more I'm next so week. I'm so jealous. He's, He's such oh, yeah. a genius. I'm in, made I'm in awe. I'm in awe. Sorry. He made each forkful for me, but we'll get into more of that. And he put he wouldn't let me. He'd hand me the fork. The I way saw the caviar composed. on the trimmings. Yeah, on the trimmings. That was insane. Okay, sorry. Um, yeah, we'll talk more about ah. that. But there's one thing I do need to talk about for now because it's available now. Um, he had, there's a new item at Haleo, new menu item that he brought to Bizarre Meat to share with me, and then I brought to Rich's house to share with him. Um, it's Chef Jose's Tarta de Queso. It's a Basque spin on cheesecake. It's baked at a high temperature to achieve this gorgeous golden brown exterior and it's a smooth creamy center if you get it fresh it almost is like when you go into a molten lava cake you know and it yeah. it kind of falls kind apart of cheese? um it's light fluffy uh it almost had a goat cheese kind of taste uh. i forget the exact cheese i'll have those notes for you when we come back sort of quiche meets flan mm -hmm. and then if that's not enough for you chef jose tops it with honey and your choice of black or white truffles you can get it at Haleo right now for 60 bucks with the black truffles, a buck and a quarter with the white. Rich got one hand <laughs> delivered to his house by me, free yes, of charge, with did. more than a share of truffles. What were your thoughts, Rich? I loved it. It had sort of a caramel backing. Uh, you know, the way he describes it in the thing that we'll hear about next week, it's supposed to be sort of warm in the middle. Uh, of course, after all that, I didn't have it, and it was still just wonderful. I was reluctant to put truffle on it because it, it was really an earthy, meaty truffle, and it's such a nice, sweet... Oh, Great time caramel back uh, thing that I just wanted it. Uh, actually, I did have it just naked, and I used the truffle on pasta. Put the, the honey night. on it. it locally <laughs> uh, honey I did not put it. the honey. Cat's out of the bag here. He's and, like, and then there was a little bit of salt. Did he put salt in there as well? I did yours? not see the salt, but I read about that later. Salt. Yeah, but, yeah. but just the thing itself is all you need. Again, a man of simple taste. It's amazing. Um, okay, so other things I did this week, Rich, I thought of you when I was at Rosina this week, speaking to lead bartender <laughs> Louis Caputa about the gorgeous Palazzo Cocktail Lounge's fourth anniversary coming up Monday, December 13th. I'm just going to roll the tape of our interview because we were discussing the high-end cocktail program <laughs> at Rosina and its sister lounges, Electra and the Dorsey. When I moved to Vegas in 2001, then there wasn't a lot of quote-unquote mixology bars and things like that. But then people like Francesco LaFranconi, Sam Ross, really started to bring it out more and more. And I think when people travel from all over the world, you have to realize that there's mixology and great cocktail bars everywhere, like New York, San Francisco, Chicago, South Africa, Taipei. There are some of the best bars in the world. So if you're going to come to Vegas and you're used to having a craft cocktail, why would you not have a craft cocktail in Las Vegas? One debate or perhaps educational conversation I end up having with a lot of people is um, that getting a $25 cocktail in one bar and getting a cocktail with the same name for $12 in another bar is not somebody just charging you more because they're in a better location or because you're a tourist that so much goes into the cocktail from the juices, the, the ice program, the, the glassware. Do you find that people have become receptive to the idea that you do get what you pay for when you go to a quality bar? In my entire time at Rosina, which I realize isn't long, but even when I was at Electra at Dorsey, I would say very, very rarely would anybody ever question the price. And I do agree that it is the glassware, it's the service, it's the location, but it's also about the people that you hire. Obviously, you're going to be somebody that really cares about the guest and you're giving the guest an experience that they're not going to get anywhere else. So if you come to Rosina or Electra or Dorsey, you have some of the best bartenders in the world 
that have been trained to take care of you. And what I realize in this program is everybody, as, as silly as this sounds, loves guest service. And I mean, I think a guest, when they go to other properties, they realize that when you go to the Venetian and the Palazzo, the team members there care about the quality of guest service. And I think that's what really incorporates how much a drink costs. I think you can always have fresh ingredients. You can have glassware, but it's the team members that make the price what it is. My producer, Rich Johnson, has a pet peeve. Whenever somebody talks about a cocktail program, his head explodes and he says, why can't you just make cocktails? Why do you have to have a cocktail program? So I ask every great mixologist and great bartender this question just for Rich's benefit. Is the phrase cocktail program bullshit or is it something that really has a meaning to it? Well, to me, it has a meaning to it for the longest time. And I, I bartended in Vegas 16 years before I got into craft cocktails in the last four. A cocktail program really does matter because it creates consistency. So somebody like Sam Ross, who I met four years ago, who hired me on in the collective cocktail, also with the Venetian, I realized that more and more, if you have a program that's regimented and the three properties, even though they're different, the three locations, the cocktail program's the same. It's fresh ingredients, what drink comes out freshest, what drink you know has the, the long-lasting appeal to the guest. So I always think that, is it bullshit? No, it's not bullshit. Because if you have prop, if you have locations that don't care and just kind of, oh, here's some ice, here's a Jack and Coke, that's what you're gonna get. You're gonna get people that don't care. You're gonna get people at properties that show up to work and they're just like, it's the same thing every day. Where these three locations at Venetian and Palazzo, Electra, Dorsey, Rosina, all the team members there care about the program. The program is what matters. And I think when guests come in, they realize what kind of program they're getting. Because Rosina, and not to brag, I think we have more regulars than anybody on the strip because everybody that comes in here knows exactly what they're going to get from the fresh juices to the great glassware to the cold glasses and to how fresh the drink comes out. So, Rich, will you now stop rolling your eyes whenever someone tells you about a cocktail program? I, I will attempt to. I also know that I can never go into that place now. If he knows it's me, he'll say, get out of here, you <laughs> program hater, you. I didn't send him a picture of you or anything. <laughs> hey, it's Vegas. They have it already. Right. You know that. Other stuff I did this week. I dropped by Carla Pellegrino's apartment to help her shoot a sizzle reel for a yeah. new video series she's working on. Uh, it gave me the chance to catch up with her as well as Adam Raines, Jason Hughes of the Golden Tiki, Donald Trump impersonator, John D. Domenico. It was a blast. Carla changed costumes several times. Oh um, that was interesting. <laughs> I hope she gets this show. It's going to be fantastic. She also dropped some hints. She might have a line of sauces coming out. Oh, the guys from the Golden Tiki just brought my shrunken head over to That's show her. Because, but it's on display at the Golden Tiki if you ever want to see it. So you're going to have to do that. I saw the pictures. Um, and I returned to Gordon Ramsay's steak for the first time since I dined there with Chef Ramsay before the pandemic. He wasn't there this time, but Hell's Kitchen Young Guns winner Trenton Garvey was there. He's the new executive chef. We hit it off so well that he invited me to his house for a full interview. That's a nice way of saying that his publicist said you have to have this ass all over to your house tomorrow for an interview. <laughs> this is Food and Loathing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Okay, so I'm here with Trent and Garvey, man. Um, the winner of Hell's Kitchen Young Guns, who has invited me into his home. He told me I had was coming out to Hender Tucky, and you weren't kidding, man. I thought maybe you were new to town and, and you were out in Green Valley, but you're way out there, man. How are you enjoying Las Vegas? Uh, it's definitely been different. I didn't, you know, shopping for a house 1,500 miles away. I didn't realize that I was moving to Hender Tucky. I was like, yeah, it looks close enough. 20 minutes is a... Uh, or 25 minutes can't be that far away from the strip. And it uh, turns out, yeah, yeah it's, it's, that's Hinder Tucky. I just learned that term like last week. And uh, yeah, it's beautiful out here. Love the house uh, and everything. But yeah, Hinder Tucky's real. Well, I should give you some um, pointers on restaurants. You're not too far from Water Street. There's some great restaurants over on Water Street if you haven't been down there yet. Um, go out to Lake Las Vegas, a little insider tip. There's a restaurant in there. I don't know what they're calling it these days or if it's even open, but it was built by, um, by Thomas Keller's brother, Joseph, and it's got a gorgeous zinc bar in there that Joseph installed himself. So um, go looking for that one. And I won't tell you about the Red Rooster, a little bit of adult entertainment that's not too far from here because I don't know if you're ready for that yet, man. But um, yeah, so have you gotten a chance to explore Las Vegas? Uh, not a whole lot. We, uh, I mean, of course what we did on the show, which was, you know, going out and, and filming in different locations, but I also, uh, haven't really got out a whole lot since we've been here. I've been a lot of moving in and then, uh, going to work and just, uh, all my days off. I've been, I have an awesome kitchen here, so we've been making dinner and just spending a lot of time cooking and getting to get comfortable in our house, enjoying our house. So, haven't uh, got to explore a whole lot of Vegas quite yet, but I'm excited for, like, what's blown my mind about Vegas is the food I've read about for so long I can finally go experience. Like, it's just like a, a 15 to 20 minute drive away. Like, that, that blows my mind. Always wanted to go to a Momofuku. And I'm like, oh, there's one right down the street, like from uh, the restaurant. So like that, uh, I'm just so excited, so hopeful, so optimistic for like all the experiences to come from being here. Yeah, there's definitely everything at your doorstep in this city, and you've got some great chefs that you can explore, see what other people are doing, a lot of great creative people. This is my third time meeting you, man, so I feel like we're old friends now. The yeah. first time was at Big B's Barbecue, um, and that was a viewing party for the final episode of Hell's Kitchen Young Guns. You had already known at that point that you were the winner. You'd known that for about two years, right, man? So what was it like keeping that secret for two years? And why was it so long? Was that a COVID thing or was that the normal scheduling? Um, so I knew I was probably going to have to wait a year for the, the show to air. And I was okay with it because I knew, hey, this gives me time to grow. I'm only 23. I'm going to Las Vegas. I'm a little fish, big pond, you know. Kind of thing, and I think a lot of it was COVID. I mean, you can't have the people coming into the restaurants. You're publicizing a restaurant, and uh, uh, you, you can't have like you can't have that uh, that winner come out there and you get that experience of like eating the dinner, meeting the winner, and uh, it, it really pushed things back. They didn't they didn't put it out because they had announced that season 19 was going to come out the previous summer, and they put it on Instagram, they put it on Facebook. And then it came up, and they played reruns of season seventeen. And it did, how how far in advance did you know that that was what was going to happen? Well, uh, they started advertising it a few weeks prior. I think it was because COVID was really uh, was still running rampant, and uh, they realized they realized that there wouldn't be a whole lot of gain from it. Which, uh, I mean, it, it it sucks, but honestly, I felt like I had time to grow as a chef a little bit more. It also gave me time at the uh, restaurant, which was my baby back in St. Louis, you know, to, to make sure we made it through the pandemic, which was really, you know, stuck, stuck to me. I really wanted to make sure that it was so hard, but we had, uh, it gave us a lot of creative freedom coming up with new pop-ups every week, whole new menus, uh, keeping people interested because people weren't wanting to leave the, their neighborhoods. People were wanting to stay local. They uh, staying at home. So we wanted to give them a new restaurant every week to come to local. And that was a whole lot of fun. Well, that's that's great that you got to kind of see your home base and your, your pre-fame restaurant through a tough time. And I'm sure that was really important for you, Matt. Oh, absolutely. They were they were I was with them for over six years. I mean, I started with them um, as a I, I was slicing meat in a smokehouse. And that's what they, they uh, signed me on for. 
right, right there in the middle midst of uh, culinary school. And from there the, the chef would, he'd give me like, Hey, here's all these ingredients. He'd bring a, a hotel pan in and be like, this is the special. You got to come up with a special for this this week. And he'd push me like every week. Hey, you got to come up with this. So I went from slicing the, the, the breads to turning, turning out being their head chef at one restaurant. And then uh, once he realized it was his time to move on, he was like, hey, take my job as executive chef. And that was, that was crazy to take on at 23. But it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And I, I feel like it firmly gave me that, that base to do well on Hell's Kitchen. Now, the restaurant you're talking about, I believe, is um, the Blue Duck in Missouri. Is that, is that the restaurant you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, the Blue Duck in uh, Maplewood. Now, I went online. I took a look at what they make there. I saw a lot of um, a burgers, a lot of fries, a lot of sandwiches, um, certainly with flair, right? It was not just a greasy spoon. It's, it's a solid restaurant, a dish that you made on the show, I think, the burn-ins. Uh, was, there, was there a dish from Blue Duck that you made on your show? Um, so there's a lot of the dishes that I ended up uh, uh, playing with throughout the show. Like I did a, a pan-seared trout on the show, uh, the brown butter hondaise I did with that was something we always did on our eggs benedict. Um, but you know, we, we always like to, to to find a way to change something to make it different. Like our eggs were uh, uh, sous vide sixty two degree eggs, and and we would fry them after we poached them. You know, so that way everything was a little bit different than what you are used to. Um, so we'll always like like I said, putting in that flair, trying to change a little bit. Um, but it was it was fun being able to use those dishes like, Oh man, I know that chef Ramsey really liked this or this went really well, but I couldn't tell anybody. I was just running a dish. <laughs> you know, people are like, uh, I don't know, you know, well, you know, I've done this before. It's gotten praise, but, uh, uh that was, that was, it was like almost a, a double life. Like, you know, Hey, I, I know, I know this as well, that, that this did well. And, uh, what really got me was, you know, you win this show Flew back, went to work the next day. My whole life just changed the day before. I'm like, oh, man, we're going to be able to move out of this house. We're going to be able to move up. Like, I can't believe this happened. Everything's going to change. And then you go back, and for two years, you're driving a 98S10 to work. And you're, like, still hoping it doesn't break down on you. And you're like, any day now, any day now, I'll be able to, to you know, reap the benefits of it. So, But like I said, it gave me time to grow. I, I've got to think it would be a little weird if you're um, if you're at the Blue Duck and you're making a dish that has been praised by Gordon Ramsay and God knows who, and somebody comes in and tells you how you could make it better, right? Where you just does does having Gordon um, or Chef Ramsay, I should say, it's not like he and I are buddies, but um, <laughs> does does having Chef Ramsay tear into you make it easier for you to accept criticism from other people, and vice versa? Does having him praise a dish make you say? Screw you. I know what I'm doing, and Ramsey likes it, so I don't care what you guys think. I feel like, uh, so when I went into the show, I'd always wanted that kind of honing of a, of a chef and, like, somebody to push me. Somebody somebody who said, knows what the right way to say, here's the right way, have confidence in this, have confidence in that. And going on the show, that's what I really, really loved about it was having him be like, I love the criticism. And every bit of criticism he would give everybody, I always would take a minute to note it down at the end of the day. Because, like, I'm a big, big fan of criticism. I mean, like, when you guys came out, I was like, tell me, like, what, what sucked? Like, I want to know. I'm, like, really glad that I can do stuff good, but I want to know what sucks because we're going to change that and make that better. Because that's what, what gets me. Like, how can we make, make everything better and better and better and keep pushing forward? And uh, it, it's just another piece of the puzzle. It's another chef's DNA to take in, to consume, to make your own. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you, people would come in, they'd criticize, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's hospitality. You want to make them comfortable. You want to make them happy and, and you want to, you want to make it better. So that's, that's why I love about cooking. Let's speak about the meal that I had. Cause that was the second time I met you. I went over to Gordon Ramsay steak and you are now the executive chef at Gordon Ramsay steak. That's part of your prize. Um, and I do have to tell you Gordon Ramsay steak, as far as I'm concerned, that's the crown jewel of what, what what Chef Ramsay does in Las Vegas. He has a lot of good restaurants. Some I like more than others. There's only one that I've ever not liked, but I haven't been in there in a while, so I'm not even going to say it because it's probably yeah. I, I, it was probably me. It probably wasn't them. Um, but for me, I always tell people 
that if you want a television experience, if you want to recreate what you do, what you see on TV, definitely go to Hell's Kitchen at Caesar's Palace. But if you want to see why Gordon Ramsay has so many Michelin stars by his name, go to Gordon Ramsay's Steak. Um, so you, that is now your baby. And you rolled out some of his dishes that I have had many times before. You did a great job with them. You also rolled out something new, a scallop dish, which I'm told is off the menu and kind of a secret surprise. And it's a dish that you made on the show. So tell me about that. And it was delicious. I loved it. And you also, you nailed the scallops, which are hard to do in a high volume restaurant. So um, congrats on that. Um, so tell, tell people about that dish and how they can get it and where they might recognize it from. So it was a dish I did uh, for Chef Ludo and uh, Chef Ramsey, 13th episode of Hell's Kitchen. He showed us a bunch of pictures of restaurants he did at restaurant gordon or a bunch of pictures of dishes he did at restaurant gordon ramsay and uh it's like hey and the challenge was you can use whatever you want today but i want something elevated i want you to make something instagram worthy i want you to make something beautiful on a plate i want you to focus on your plating but also bring the flavors and that's like i'd spend so much time reading books like that and you, you saw where i was at a blue duck where i'm like trying to do is get as close to that as I can, but within parameters, within the price point, within all that. And I'm like, Oh, this is what I want to do. But you know, how can, how can I make this work here? And, uh, I got that. I, it was like, he's like, Hey, here's the opportunity to do it. So I was like, okay. You know, and I love scalps. Scalps are one of my favorite, uh, uh, little morsels of food. Like I absolutely love, love scallops. So I was like, you know what? Let's do scallops. There's a dish I've done close to this before. One of my first specials I actually got to do when I was the head chef at Blue Duck, uh, uh, working under, uh, chef Jordan Knight. And I was like, uh, I was like, Oh, how, how can I tweak that? How can I tweak that and elevate that and make that exciting? So, I uh, did the, the, the seared, the seared uh, diver scallops. I actually cut them in half on the show. At the restaurant, we're doing whole scallops, so you get a little bit more. But I wanted it to be a little bit more petite, a little bit lighter or something. Uh, like, uh, you can start off with very easily. And we did the, the seared diver scallops, the gla- uh, brown sugar glazed carrot puree, pomegranate seeds. Um, on, the, on the show, I used uh, chive blossoms, and uh, I made a dill oil. And then use the, the fresh dill sprigs or uh, yeah, dill, dill frond. And I, of course, you put it up. And I got done. And it was a big no-no on the show. I got done like 15 minutes early. And <laughs> I didn't cook my scallops, but I had everything ready to go 15 minutes early. Everybody's freaking out, scrambling. I mean, if you rewatch the episode, I have my back to the pass and in the back of the kitchen. Like everybody else is scrambling to plate it. And I'm like, I'm done. And I... It, that stressed me out because I was like, I shouldn't be done already. But because in cooking competitions, you, you want to show you used every bit of time. But in this, this instance, I, uh, I got it done. I spent the time, took about four or five minutes, uh, or it was more like 10 minutes, di- plating different ways. Like, see, uh, do I like this? Do I like this? Do I like this? Do I like this plate? Do I like that plate? Um, but finally, I got, got it all plated up, done about a minute and a half early. Once it was all plated scallops fired, of course, at the last second. So that way they're, they're perfect. And, uh, then chef Ramsey drops, you know, the bomb of, Hey, we're, we're, I'm putting this on my Instagram and opening it up to, uh, my followers to, to, to judge it. And then that adds a whole nother layer of anxiety to you. Like everybody's going to see this dish, you know, I, I hope it's good. Hope, you know, hope. And I was honestly like, happy with the way it looked. I was really happy with it. And then when I got to present it to the chefs, they both, they both said it was great. Chef Ramsey was like, I really like it. I want to give it some criticism. I want to tell you maybe a pickled carrot. And that really like stuck with me. Cause I was like, okay, I made something that he genuinely likes. Like he, everybody knows, everybody's seen Gordon Ramsey tear people apart with food, but to be on hell's kitchen and gain praise and acceptance on something, I was like, Oh, wow. Because I went into the show and just told myself, hey, I'm at this place. We make burgers, we make fries, we make pork steaks. We are like, how, how, you know, how far am I going to make it? I'm only going to make it past six, seven days. So that's all I'm going to make it. That's all I wanted to prove to myself. So I'm, I'm here like this late in the game and make a dish that he really, really enjoyed and Chef Ludo really enjoyed. Uh, that, that was awesome. So that's why I was super uh, lucky and super fortunate to get to put it on the menu uh, Gordon Ramsay steak. So you, uh, the, you can ask for it. Uh, it's just my, my, my diver scalps, but, but yeah, no, it's, 
it's it's insane that I get to put that on the menu and get to serve you guys. That that blew my mind. That was a a, a big day for me. So if people come in, they just ask for the scallop dish that they saw on TV, and everybody in the restaurant's gonna know what they're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's everybody knows about it. We uh, pre shifted it so much, you know, like <laughs> all the service. Give me your critique. Give me your critique. Let me know what you know. Let give give me your ideas on this because, you know, like I said, it's. That's what it is for me is how much, how much can we push stuff? What am I doing wrong? That's, that's every single day, especially in, in this, uh, and, and this caliber, you know, like every day you worry about what you did wrong, not, not about what you did right. Like you, you know, you can do it right all day, but I want I want to know the little things I can tweak to make everything better. Cool. So you told me and everybody at my table, the story about how you, and I'm sure you've told it many times, but the story about how you were not really interested in applying to be on this show, that this was something you did for your brother and you went so that you could kind of support him, ended up on the show. Um, how's your brother feel about how this all turned out, man? Oh, he's really happy that, uh, he, he had confidence in me. I mean, he, he told me in the beginning, and I remember it like it, it was yesterday. I mean, we were, we were coming in. I just flew in, flown into Vegas, and I was nervous as can be. I was like, I'm going to look like an idiot on TV. I don't want to do it because this wasn't something I necessarily like, sought out. He happened to get a call at his restaurant. I, uh, I gave him a call back and was like, hey, let's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll move forward with it. All I could think of was the movie Chef. Like, and, and, and chef, he loses his job and they're like, Oh, I'll get you on Hell's Kitchen. He's like, oh, I'm a real chef. I don't do Hell's Kitchen. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm a young chef. So I mean, I got time to recoup from looking like an idiot on TV, I think. So there I was in Las Vegas, went through all the steps. Somehow we're about to film in the next three days. And my brother calls me, I'm in the car and we're going to the, uh, we're going to the hotel so so we can get settled before we, we start shooting. And he goes, Hey man, I got confidence in you. This'll this'll be the easiest month of your life. And I was like, No, it's not. And it wasn't. But he's like, It's gonna be the easiest like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars you ever made. I have confidence in you. You're gonna do it. And and he he told me and him and Macy, they were like, Hey, you're gonna you're gonna do this. Like you don't, we're not worried about you. Like, we know you got it. You're dead. You're, you're dedicated. You're going to make it. And I had no confidence in myself. So like, that's why when I, when I did make it to the end, I was like, I can't, I like, I can't believe it. They did it. They, they knew like they, they pushed, they, this, how much hope they gave me every single day. That was incredible. Like really, really incredible. Especially Macy. She's been alongside me now for 11 years you know she's watched the whole journey from us us cooking off of food food stamps and at 16 to to us here you know uh, being able to make dreams happen it's it's insane yeah and okay I, i'm gonna skip over one topic hopefully get back to it with some time but you, you talk about macy i just had the privilege of meeting her um very cool woman um, you are a man after my own heart cause you proposed on national television. I didn't do anything quite that cool, but I did propose on the radio to my wife. I was sitting in the car with her and the tape played on the radio of me proposing. So, um, I, for me, that took a little bit of the pressure off cause I didn't have to get the words out of my mouth at the time. Yeah. But, um, tell me about that decision to decide to, to pop the question on national TV. And I've got to assume, you know, it's not going to be a no at that point. You knew it was going to be a yes. Well, we've been together for nine years at that point, and uh, she, I always told her, I'm like, hey, I'm going to do something really big. I'm going to do something, you know, she's always pestering me, like, hey, when, when am I going to get that ring? When am I going to get that ring? And uh, I, there was, we were prepping for service that day, and I had had the idea in my head, had the idea in my head, and I was like, I told Chef Jason um, Santos, I'm like, hey, if I win this, I mean, even if I don't win this, when I get home, I'm going to have to do it, but... I'm getting engaged after this. Like when you're doing that kind of show, you're entirely separated from everybody. Uh, you, there's no calling home. There's no watching TV. There's no, none of that. You're, you're there. You're focused 100% on that. That's, that's what, what they want it to be. And there I was and I very early and I was like, you know, I'm like so happy at home. Like everything I'm, I'm with all these other people who are my age and I'm like, you know what? I am really happy at home. Like she, she makes me super happy. I'm super glad and super, uh, uh, lucky to, to have her. And then at that moment before service, I was like, chef, let's make this happen. And 
there I, did, there I was coming down the steps, and they gave me the ring. And they're like, hey, we want you to make it happen. Because Chef Ramsay, the whole time, he kept giving me hell about it. He kept, he's like, how have you been with her for so long? And he's like, you, you, need, to, you, need, to make, you need to make this happen. Like, you know, he kept, he kept hounding me about it. And I was like, well, it's time. Let's, let's do it. And uh, like I said, for so long, I kept saying, it's going to be something big. I'm trying to think of a way to you know, do it outside of the box. And it clicked, and I was like, this is it. This is that moment. And uh, it was, I mean, just like everything else, it was weird going back and, and not being able to talk to anybody about it. Like, we're engaged. And then we're like, no, it happened at a winery. You know, like nobody really knew. That was the people who were like trying to figure out if I won or not really weren't expecting that part. You know, that was that was kind of the icing on the cake for a lot of people. Well, yeah, I didn't even think about that. You had to make up a completely different lie about how you got engaged for two years. That's insane, man. Yeah, that was. uh, So we took a picture at a winery uh, out in Herman and that's yeah, out in Herman, Missouri. And and that that's what it was. People were like, you know, a lot of people didn't ask questions like, oh, we saw you guys got engaged. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we got engaged out there. Couldn't be like, yeah, no, Gordon Ramsay right there. Chef Christina Wilson's right here. Like. Whole life changed. No, it was just like, yeah, we got engaged. <laughs> wow. Um, you talked about, you know, you, you, mem- you mentioned the movie Chef and you mentioned the reluctance to go on um, reality TV or a competition show more than so than reality TV. I always advise my friends not to go on that unless they have something big that they can get out of it. Um, I, you know, I had this conversation with my friend Jamie Tran, uh, who was just on um, Top Chef. Right. Oh, yeah. Wow. And, uh, you know, I asked her the same question I'm going to ask you. Are you OK with the way they edited you? Do you think that you were I mean, I'm not I don't think you're mad about it, but do you think it fairly portrayed you? Um, your flaws that they showed were honest flaws and your positive features that they showed were honestly how you are. Did, did people who watch that show get a good picture of who you are? Or do you feel like, man, the way it was edited, I came off as more of a dick than I really am in real life at times? Uh, they definitely, they definitely made me kind of look like a dick at the end. And that's, I, at the end I was very focused. I was very determined. I had been working in a, in a kitchen alongside, uh, Chef Christina, um, and, uh, Chef Jason, both very like, this is how things are done. Let's get it done. Push, push, push. And that's, that's the way I wanted to do my final service. But I made a lot of really great relationships and friendships while I was there. I feel like uh, I wish I would have explored more of that, more of like the, the me being humorous and not so focused, although I was focused, but we had a great time. I mean, from us all hanging out in the hot tub and drinking beers at night to, to like all the, all the stuff that we just got to, all the, the relationships. Like we are all such good friends now. Uh, it's weird to have that kind of inseparable bond now that we're we're all bound by something that very few people get to experience um being part of like a season of something and that's kind of was one of the harder parts going through it because in the beginning like oh this is kind of you know at first like the first week i was like this is this kind of sucks you know i'm with all these people i'm stuck in a house i don't really i don't really relate i don't get it and then uh and then it turned into like oh hey we're we we get each other now and then they start going home. You're like, oh, there's less people here. Like, you know, and they're like, oh yeah, this is a competition. You know, we're not just cooking in a kitchen. But I will say the uh, it, it seemed like towards the end, it, I was edited to be like very like, hey, this is how things are done. I don't, you know, I, and that's just not not entirely the way I am. Like, I'm not that much of an asshole, but it, it definitely came off like, hey, he's a real ass. Well, we all have our asshole moments. And the question is, I mean, I don't want somebody putting a montage of all my asshole moments together. Um, and then that's all people see of me. Um, how's the fame thing setting in? Because I don't think anybody's ever prepared for it. I don't think people are ever prepared for having strangers come up to you on the street and tell you what yeah. they think about you, good or bad. Yeah. Um, how has that felt? And because it's going to happen a lot. Everybody is going to want to see you at that restaurant. They're going to ask to have you come to the table. How's that working out for you, man? Um, it's, it's a whole new dynamic and it's good for me because I've never really had a whole lot of front of house experience. Um, so it, it's nice getting to go out and touch the guests, talk to the guests, uh, get to know the people. And there's so many awesome, incredible people to get to know that come through Vegas. Like, I've had a lot of amazing conversations as a result of it and and that's that's been that's been my favorite part of it is is just getting to know the people who come in and get to eat and and having an honest conversation and 
let it just people people watch like a show and they have such an expectation of the person and then when i come to the table and they're like oh hey he's just a you know normal like down to earth let's talk that every time is it's it's awesome to to get to have that experience and and then i know they're going to come back and i'm going to get to feed them again and that's why i do it because i get to feed these people and it is weird like uh we were at the the was it the 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 railroad tunnel trail out by by uh, the Hoover Dam? Yeah. And I'm I'm one wheeling down it. That thing I was putting in the garage. I'm one wheeling down the trail. I'm going like 15 miles an hour on this thing, and some lady just yells Trenton, and I'm like, <laughs> and I like slam thing down. And I'm like, what? And I look, you know, because Macy and my dad were behind me. I was like way ahead of them. You're Trent from Hell's Kitchen. That one got me. I was like, here I am going past you 15 miles an hour, and you're just like. You noticed me. I was like, that kind of recognition is something I never, never expected. It, it hasn't happened as much. I was in a small town back in, in Missouri, but, you know, walking through Albertsons and people following, you are like, oh, my God, that's Trenton Garvey. And you're like, okay, yeah. It's it's something to adjust to, but uh, I'm, like, super, super honored, humbled to get to, to have that. And it's – I said it, it's – so interesting that people have that expectation of just normal people going and, and doing, uh, being fortunate enough to, to go on a television show like Hell's Kitchen and, and how much all that entirely changed my life to get to be here, you know? Well, I, I will say Las Vegas is happy to have you. I know I'm happy to have you. The other members of the media that ate your food the other night were all very, very impressed with it. Slightly different opinions on the foie gras, but I'll let people um, go in and yeah. judge that one for themselves. Uh, so all I can say is welcome to Las Vegas, man. Congratulations. It's great to have you here. I hope I get to dine in your restaurant a few more times. Any last minute advice to people who may want to come in and see you? Something they should order? Something they should make sure to try when they get into the restaurant? I just had a five for the first time <laughs> and that was that was an experience oh man uh <laughs> i always recommend the a5 that blew my mind um i i'd never had that experience and uh the other day we had misfired a rib or a, a or an eye and i was like it was like four ounces and, and chef's like hey that's yours you haven't had that yet and i was like okay yeah, yeah, let's go try it. That the blue one. I always recommend A5. Um, of course, come in and try the the new scallops. Um, that I'm super honored to get to have on the menu, and hopefully, going forward, get to change some stuff around. Talk about playing with the Amuse a little bit, which will be fun. Uh, but got all kinds of ideas, uh, notebooks, notebooks of jotting things down. So it, it's going to be fun going forward and uh, getting getting a little bit of that creative freedom and. And getting to be coached and trained by the awesome staff there. So I'm looking forward to it. Great, man. Well, thanks a lot. Um, I'm not an A5 guy myself. I think the rib cap you brought us out was great. The Wellington's awesome. I recommend people try it. And, of course, you're using all Pat Lafreda's beef. Fantastic um, butcher out of New York City, right? Is that where Pat's from? Yeah, they're from out of New York. Anyway, thanks a lot for your time, man. And congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. Whenever I hear that, I want to say, Parker, like J. Jonas Anderson, <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm the Daily Bugle. The news, that is Rich's news sound effect, and he's my news guru, so we'll, we'll take his sound effects. I dropped by Echo and Rig to speak to Chef Sam Mar Marvin about his new Butcher in a Box home steak program, and he told me about not one, but two new restaurants he has in the works. Rather than summarize all of that, let's just hear it from Sam. Sam, I want to start off by talking about Butcher in a Box. Could you explain to people what it is you're doing with that? Yeah, so what I'm doing, Al, is I was so blown away, right? I mean, I'm an older guy right now. I was in Tasmania before the pandemic, and I saw something I never could ever dream of seeing. And these were cattle that were the greatest cattle in the world, right? Literally the greatest cattle in the world. Tasmania, volcanic island, right? So the soil has minerals and vitamins and nutrients in the soil. They're growing grass. You're the cleanest air in the world, literally the cleanest air in the world, right? Measured throughout the world is Tasmanian air. So all these things are like if you grow grapes in Bordeaux or you grow grapes in Pahrump, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's all about the terroir. So they're growing grass in this terroir and these cattle, all they do is eat the grass. 
they, they touch the cattle two times in this lifetime at birth and at slaughter when they're moving into the uh, arbitoire, right? To put it, to, to, to take care of it, right? So like, it was just amazing. So I really understood now what grass-fed, grass-finished cattle is that's high with omega-3s and proteins and minerals and potassium and niacin and iron and protein. And like, it's just amazing when you eat this kind of beef. And being from America, and even being a chef, I, you know, everything they do in Tasmania, they try and keep in Tasmania, right? A little of it goes to Australia, but not very much ever comes to the United States. So it's fairly new that we've been able to bring this product in the United States like last five, six years. So I just thought, wow, people need to understand this, right? I can do something great for culture, for life, for people, for everybody, and it's a win-win. I like win-win situations, so for me to introduce a butcher in the box it's not really about selling meat I, I wouldn't do that right it's about introducing people to a cattle that they would never be able to get or taste or try it's very difficult right so that's the concept here is to turn people on to something that's healthy and good and what real cattle is about so i opened butcher in a box cool. and what are the details on that so the details are that every month i'm going to do a fun box a, a, a special box limited edition it might be for Valentine's Day, it might be for the holidays, it might be anything. And that'll be a once off every month. And then we have a subscription. And the subscription is $225 a month, delivered to your house. And every month that'll change. It's, you know, five, six steaks. This one has seven steaks in it. You know, bone in ribeyes, bone in New York's, tomahawks, uh, all the usual suspects. Along with that, you, could, you get onto our club once you're a subscriber. You can go online, you can see me doing the recipes. Every month I send a recipe with it. I send some special gifts. I send spices for that recipe. And then you just click on the QR code and you come online and you watch me perform the recipe. Um, lots of fun stuff. Uh, I have music, I'm a big music guy. Tremendous amount of music. So I'm introducing different playlists. So if you're in a good mood and you're grilling, there's something to listen to. If you're cooking a romantic dinner for your wife, there's something else to listen to, right? I really believe the mood you're in when you're touching food and cooking and creating, it definitely reflects to the people who are eating it, right? Um, again, that's an intangible, but being in this business for so long, it's very tangible for me because I see it, right? And I understand it. So Butcher in a Box, it's just a great, night with your family, with yourself. It's about eating a quality product at home that you could never do before. Cool. Um, I just have you for a short amount of time today. I hear you have a little bit of other news you might be willing to share with us. Um, sure, you know, so much is going on. You know, I could start out with, um, you know, we pulled out of Allegiant. Um, that didn't really work out for us. So that's some news that I wanted to let people know as well. We have a lot of people sending emails about Allegiant and why aren't we there anymore. Um, I'm opening another steak-centric restaurant. It's gonna be sort of under the Echo and Rig title, not exactly, and that's in Henderson. And we signed a lease, so we're opening late April, early May. And it's, you know, maybe it's Rig and Echo. I don't know what we're gonna exactly, how we're gonna play it yet, but steak-centric, a little different. We're really, really excited about that. We took over the old elephant bar. Oh, wow. And um, I have my kitchen construction meeting today. The guy's coming from LA, we're going over there. And we're, we're really in the midst of design and we're gonna start building probably any week now as a wow. design build. So all the permitting stuff is being already done. So now we just go in and build it as opposed to doing it the opposite way, right? Very organized, <laughs> really excited about it. I can't even tell you, right? Um, and then I, you know, I gotta sign another lease and I'm doing a project at The Bend with a guy named Jay Dapper. Yeah. And um, it's a real exciting food project. And the title of it is Bad Sam. And, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't even really know the concept yet. All I know is that I got good people, right? Uh, good people, a great location. The vibe feels super phenomenal. The energy, everything about it that I couldn't say no. So you know what they do, you take it on and then you figure it out afterwards, right? So that sounds great. I mean, new stuff oh, from Sam yeah. Marvin. I'm all in. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. I want some Tasmanian meat sent to my house. <laughs> what is yeah. it a month? I don't care. I don't yeah, care. you're writing it down. You're ready to phone yeah. it in right now. Oh, no, I'm definitely. We got to get it. Tomorrow, subscriber. I'm, I'm you're going to be signing up. Oh, yeah. Cool. Sam, Rick's on, on board. Um, other things we did, other, other news this week for my vegan friends. Good news, bad news kind of thing, vegans. Um, first, we'll start with the bad, then cheer them up with the, with the good news. Pots Egyptian is looking for a new home. Chef Imam, Iman, excuse me, Chef Iman Hagag explained to me why she has to move, and my apologies that, that I probably mangled her name. 
uh, the future boss is unknown now. So if you can help, that would be great. But we're going to be moving out of our location here on Rainbow in about six months. So um, end of May, beginning of June. And we still not have a location, so if you can help, that would be great. <laughs> Shoot cool. me out. <laughs> so just to be clear, this isn't because of business being slow or anything like that. I mean, you survived the pandemic, but this has more to do with the landlord situation, yes. right? Yes, actually, this has to do with our finishing of the lease and they're not going to renew it to us. But we actually did great. The community supported us during COVID. We were awesome, but it is what it is for the now. So any help you can do be fantastic. Any particular neighborhood you want to be in? I mean, downtown is amazing. <laughs> I can't wait. But I mean, um, Summerlin is a great option. Southwest is fantastic. I mean, we are open for any options for now. So if you know of a spot, please let her know. In happier vegan news, Veggie Nation's Don Chef Donald is hosting a pop-up next week at Vegas Test Kitchen to try out some new ideas that he's hoping will be his next restaurant. It's called Contraputo. It means counterpoint in Italian. So it's going to be modern Italian version of, of, of vegan food. And what we're trying to do is uh, trying to reinvent it and how people look at food and have a little fun with it. So this will still be 100% plant-based. It's what you do, what you're known for, but you're just switching over into the Italian genre. How many courses, what kind of dishes are going to be on the menu? Okay, it's going to be a three-course menu. It's starting at $25 with a $15 wine pairing, so it's a really good value. So what we're going to have is a lot of homemade pasta. I'm doing homemade lasagna <clears throat> with wild mushrooms and chanterelles and, and truffles and fresh truffle essence. And then I'm going to do an angolotti with a butternut squash filling and a, a pumpkin seed pesto. So it's got really cool entrees made with homemade pasta. A lot of fun. And then uh, we got a couple of appetizers. I'm going to do, because I'm from New York, we're going to do a pasta vazul. So it's going to be a bean and pasta soup with a lot of spices, a lot of Italian seasoning in it. And then we're going to do bruschetta three ways. One is going to be with the eggplant caponata, which is a Sicilian recipe, delicious compote of, of eggplant. And then we're going to do a homemade ricotta, cheese made with almonds. It's going to be another bruschetta. And then we're going to do a, a cannellini beans and smoked carrots. So it's got a really good flavor and variety going on with that. And then, you said $25 for this entire yeah, menu? It's a great value. I want to be able to introduce people. I want to see what could be done. So, and it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of fun, and I want everyone to come and enjoy it. Now, you say this is a new concept, so this, and of course, Vegas Test Kitchen is known as a launching point for people that want to go out and, and take it full time. So, does that mean that you may have an Italian restaurant, brick and mortar, coming around the corner? Yeah, I'm looking for, looking for a venue to, to have it, and I want to be able to get feedback from people coming in and check it out. I think we're going to do some really cool things. There's so much you could do. There's different kind of grains and different kind of mushrooms. So, it can be uh, plant-based, but it can be fun and tasty. I want to go towards people that are like into food, a little bit more sophisticated, we want to match it up with wines. So we want to have a full experience with a wine bar and a, like a homemade Italian modern cuisine. You can score tickets for that at secretburger.com. And before we get to the cannabis, Rich seems excited about some fast food news. And since he controls the microphones, we can't stop him from telling us about it. I don't know if excitement Rich, is there, so but I, I have another, another thought as well. But I'll tell you that this is not a review, but it's a business story. Two of the, uh, the most famous names in junk food are merging, or at least buying. Jack in the Box is buying Del Taco. Oh, wow. $575 million. Now, Jack's expanded in the last few uh, years, a couple of decades, 2,200 locations, 21 states. The Dell has about 600 spots in 16 states. Del Taco is the second largest Mexican chain after our beloved Taco Bell. You're just depressing. <laughs> you know, I go, to, I go to Golden Knights games, and if they score two goals, you get a free two tacos the next day. I, yeah. I refuse to claim them, and yeah. I refuse to give my tickets to friends to no, claim them. No, there was them. a time in my life. Yeah, there was yeah, a time yeah, there in my life where we used to hang out at Taco Bell. Yeah, we were young, broken, stoned. Yeah, right. yeah. I have yeah. to say, exactly. of all the places I've Car talked stunk. about on, on this show and the places I will talk about, Taco Bell is probably at the bottom of the list. Yeah, I've done it, but it's not Actually, a habit. Was Jack in the Box was really where we hung out. That's when the yeah. meat tasted like meat. I don't know. It's yeah. changed. I'm wondering if we'll see Every those guys take a, a, a cue from Yum Brands, the owners of KFC and Taco Bell. Have you seen those combo yes. KFC Taco Bells? I wouldn't be surprised if we, we have some of that. Also, I just want to put in one little plug that I didn't write in here. Yeah. I'm running out of ideas for junk food. So send me ideas, foodandloathing.vegas, and, loathing .vegas, or and just I will better, go there. Rich. Well, then I wouldn't have a bit. 
That's true. You wouldn't have. <laughs> but I don't. Yeah, he's trying to protect the phony baloney job. People, help bit. him. I got to protect the franchise here. Oh, man. Um, one last bit before the cannabis. Actually, a couple of last bits before the cannabis. Rick, you have had some news you've wanted to talk about. A famed chef who's either coming back. We're not sure if it's a consulting gig or an executive oh. chef position. But it doesn't matter because just saying the name sends sh- chills down my spine. Well, you know what? There's people in this industry that are really deeply rooted in what's happening today. Not because of what's actually happening today, but because they started, the, they gave direction to cuisine, to food, to people, to training, to sommeliers, to everything. And that's Chef Andre Rochat. Now, that may not mean anything to some people listening, but it means a lot to me and it means a lot to many, many, many people. Because uh, Andre's was an amazing restaurant for so many, so, so, so many. The first French fine dining restaurant in Las Vegas, real legit one, and it wasn't on the Strip. It was in downtown Las Vegas. Yeah. He eventually expanded into the Monte Carlo. Yep. Then he went um, Alize at the top of the Palms, yep. which was where all the ballers went which, with George Malou well, back in the day. That was crazy. Beautiful. Yeah. And, and so so what is Chef Andre well, doing? Well, he, he sort of retired through some, you know, he said, it's time for him to step away, you know, and he'd go to Thailand and hang out. And, and he just can't keep away. He can't <laughs> keep away. He doesn't care. He's It's like, I don't know, I got to work. He's got to work. He's losing his mind. So... Uh, he is at the moment and at the helm at the the uh, Marche Bacchus, another small little uh, you know restaurant uh, in a, in a small neighborhood. But an on institution the lake. in Las Vegas. I mean, oh. because everybody goes there because it's yeah. a place. Where can you have waterfront dining in Las Vegas? Right. The wine program's great. You go into the retail store, you buy wine at a discount. There's a very reasonable corkage fee. My wife and I are there at least three to four times per year. Three, probably three. Three is probably accurate. You know, and it's just, you know, sometimes you just want, you know what, I feel like having a bottle of, uh, you know, peri- you know, a bottle of wine, be it what it is, you know, Billy Cart Simone Rosé is what we look for. It's uh, kind of a deal where you have the bottle of wine and the food is the accompaniment rather than the other way around. Pretty much. And then the location and, uh, you yeah. know, Rhonda and Jeff and you just go in there and it just is what it is. You know, yeah. you roll around there. But Andre Rochat's in, Andre in Rochat. the kitchen. <laughs> in the That's kitchen ridiculous, there. man. And we don't know exactly the details. We're going to try to get in there for an interview and we'll, we'll hope to come back with some more details. Details, but just just get your ass over yeah, there. I don't know, I don't know what it means or how long. Well, you're going to see that Andre's in the kitchen. Why don't you call there for folks and have us do the show there one afternoon for lunch service? I'm sure they're listening right now. So yeah, you know. hint, okay. hint, nudge, hint, nudge, hint, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Hint, hint. One last um, bit before we hit the cannabis. A quick reminder, there will be a memorial service for Chris Heron on Tuesday, December 14th at 5.30 p.m. at Mi Gusta Tacos in the district. Um, Enough said on that. Now, the cannabis review. And Rick, last week I went into... um, Zenleaf. I bought a couple of products, but I came across this one. I'm having this. I'm noticing this. You've got to check your order when you leave the cannabis dispensary because I don't want to guess what people are doing behind the counter there. But I frequently don't get the flavor that I asked for. Uh, but they had this these um these caramels. These are espresso caramels. They had these and they had a salted caramel. But both of them, they told me they were made with Makers and Finder coffee. Makers and Finders coffee. Oh wow. Now Makers and Finders, hmm. of course, a great local brand. Sure. So let's give this a shot. These caramels i'm curious what you think when you try them rick rick right. i've already had one um you know they're I, I do like they come in this cool little i mean it looks like weed would be in here a little twist yeah. off bottle um a twist off container you get in there they're all individually wrapped i do like that i'm, I'm a fan of that especially for caramel which is gonna all melt together anyway because yeah. it just looks like they just hacked off a piece from a big giant <laughs> does. tray of it's something. Not, it's I not mean, a square. It's, it's not a rectangle. No, it's, it's just a chunk. It's kind a of hunk. A, a turd of um, caramel. But <laughs> yeah, uh, marketing people love you now. now. You, yeah, well, they don't pay me, so that's okay. Um, okay, this one, I taste more of the espresso than I did on the one that I had last night. You know what? It's got a great texture. It, it does. It's a good caramel. It doesn't get too stuck in your teeth. No. You can chew it, enjoy it, like it. Um, they're 10 milligrams a pop. You can bite off as much as you want. Um, quality product and it, using a local coffee shop to flavor that. So you got to like that because Makers and Finders well is a Vegas, Vegas grown company. Yeah. So we love them. You don't have any aftertaste of anything. It's just delicious. Yeah. I mean, I do think I'm not, I don't like coffee flavoring as a general rule, but um, I think when you're trying to cover up the weed flavor, in edibles, coffee is a good flavor. And there's right. plenty of sugar in there to cover And that's that how I used to ship stuff, you know. I used to put it in coffee. <laughs> is that the Smuggler's Blues? Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. the dogs. Oh, come on, you know. Of course it Oh, did. it's just me? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I saw that in Beverly Hills Cop. That is perfect, right? <laughs> I'm not sure. About 18 episodes of Miami Vice. Yeah, well, no, I never watched Miami oh, Vice. I used to go out not. on Friday nights. That's a good product. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, we like that. So thank you, Zen Leaf. Um, and I'm sure you aren't stoned behind the counter. I was just kidding. <sighs> lawyers you know (laughs) (laughs) anyway that's it for this episode of food and loathing thanks to all of our guests especially trenton garvey whether you're a hell's kitchen fan or not you should get into gordon ramsay's steak to see what he's doing over there try those scallops he told us about i also want to thank louis caputo of racina echo and rig sam marvin veggie nation's donald lemperl and iman hagag of Pots Egyptian, and I'm sure I probably mispronounced two or three of those, but hey, that's me. That's what I do, and I just ate a gummy. All right. <laughs> um, next week's show is a very special one. You'll get to hear the first part of my extended interview with Jose Andres, some more details of my meal with him, and I will tell you what he did with caviar. Rick kind of spilled the beans on it, oh, but we'll tell you more oh. about that. You're not going to believe it. Tell a friend about Food and Loathing, and please say nice things about us, especially on Apple Podcasts. Either way, we do want your feedback and your likes and your retweets. Find everything you need to know about that at Al's website, theneonmohawk.com, and you can reach us direct by email, info at foodandloathing.vegas. With producer Rich Johnson and Rick Moonen, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry. Stay hungry.